Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Mark. Happy Tuesday, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the P40 Ministries podcast. Thanks for tuning in and uh, sharing a cup of coffee with me this morning as we discuss Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. Grab your Bible and your cup of coffee, and let's go ahead and start reading. He went up into the mountain and called to himself those who he wanted, and they went to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, whom he called the sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Then he came into a house. The multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. When his friends heard it, they went outside to seize him, for they said, He is insane. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. He summoned them and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he can't stand, but has an end. No one can enter into the house of the strong man to plunder unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Most certainly, I tell you, all the sins the descendants of man will be forgiven, including their blasphemies with which they may blaspheme. But whoever may blaspheme against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said, he has an unclean spirit. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. A multitude was sitting around him, and they told him, Behold, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside looking for you. He answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking around at those who sat around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. This part's kind of funny because everybody thinks Jesus is insane. (laughs) But to start out, In verse 13 here, and by the way, I think I didn't mention this, but I was reading out of the W.E.B., which uh, you guys already knew that. But anyway, um, it says that he goes up into the mountain. And so at this point, he decides who his disciples are going to be. He chooses 12 people. Now, he had people following him from before. We remember that he called several people to follow him well before then. But we don't know how many people were following Jesus. We do know that he had a lot of followers. That's pretty much a given. But now he's choosing his 12 main disciples. And it says that he chooses Simon, who uh, he renamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And uh, (laughs) I actually chose not to say this word uh, during the reading, but it says, whom he called Boenergus, (laughs) which means the sons of thunder. So whatever, uh, whatever this word is, Boenergus, 
translates to sons of thunder. And then he chose Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and then also Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And he chose all these people so that they would have the authority to heal sicknesses and cast out demons, pretty much. Jesus was giving the 12 disciples this kind of authority to do this kind of stuff. And it was important because the fact that Jesus chose 12 people is uh, actually kind of significant. One thing that um, small group leaders often tell people is a small group no longer becomes intimate after more than 12 people. And I don't know if uh, Christians just made up that that statistic because of Jesus with his 12 uh, disciples, but it's oddly true that once you hit a certain amount of people, it really does get kind of messy. So Jesus ends up choosing 12 people who are going to follow him regularly. But also just look at the list of people here that Jesus brought with him, which is kind of interesting. It's very diverse if you look at it. So it says, um, it says Simon, Peter, James, and John, who were business partners and also brothers. So he has brothers in the mix. He's got business partners because Simon also knew um, uh, them and as well as Andrew, because Andrew is actually Simon's brother. And then there's Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He would have been hated by all these other guys, <laughs> especially Simon the Zealot. It says Simon the Zealot. I mean, he was probably somebody that really hated Rome. So I can imagine he was really irritated when uh, Matthew became one of the um, main disciples here, which is, is kind of funny. And then Judas Iscariot. <laughs> Um, I was reading the Enduring Word commentary again, and I, I was laughing because uh, I think it was David Guzig. One thing he said that was just really funny was that Judas is not really talked about until he betrays Jesus. He's like barely mentioned, which is funny because all the other disciples are doing a bunch of stupid things <laughs> and we hear about them all the time doing doing or saying something ridiculous but we don't really hear of Judas doing anything he kind of stays outside of the public eye so it, it's just kind of funny that um, even though Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus and we all know who Judas Iscariot is he really was uh, kind of outside of the public eye which is just sort of interesting. But anyway, after Jesus chooses these 12 disciples, it says that he goes to a house to eat, obviously, and to sleep. And so it says that the multitude heard that he was in that house again, and they went into that house. And there were so many people in that house that Jesus couldn't even sit down to eat. <laughs> so then it says here that his friends heard it and they went over to seize Jesus. <laughs> And they were like, he's insane. That's what they were saying about Jesus. They're like, he's absolutely insane. He's not even eating. He's he's ministering to these people. He's insane. And who knows what Jesus was saying to these people, too. I mean, Jesus was extremely controversial at the time. And he could have been saying any number of things. We don't know. But whatever he was saying also probably was stirring up the crowd and uh, making them irritated. Because it says that the scribes also were super irritated. And they said that he has Satan inside of him by the prince of Satan. Satan, he casts out 
uh, demons or whatever. By the prince of demons, he casts out demons. And I'm just kind of laughing at all that because people considered Jesus to be insane. They called him insane. Even his best friends, these 12 disciples, were going to grab him out of that house and be like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this? And then it says here at the end of the chapter that his mother and his brothers came and were standing outside the house and they were calling to him. They were going to yell at Jesus. <laughs> I mean, oh, have you ever um, gotten yelled at by your mom? You get like a pit in your stomach. You know, even to this day, I still get a pit in my stomach when I know my mom's mad at me. But Jesus kind of just ignores it. And he's like, well, oh, well, <laughs> my mom's standing outside. OK, because his mom was was standing outside to try to get him out of that situation as as well as his brothers and his sisters were all trying to get Jesus to stop saying what he was saying and to get him out of that house. I think Matthew was mentioning a few things that Jesus was saying. I can't remember specifically what it was. I can't remember if he was uh, forgiving sins or something that the, just the people were very upset about. But Jesus was just causing a stir and the people were saying he was insane and the scribes were saying that he was Satan pretty much. And then even his mom, his brothers and his sisters tried to get Jesus out of there and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. So at this point, it says that Jesus talks to the Pharisees. It says that he gathers the crowd together and he says, uh, so it says he summoned them and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? So he's asking them a question. One of the things I'm learning about with, um, with defending your beliefs is always ask questions first. And I noticed that Jesus does this here. And actually, there's a, a guy named Gregory Kokel, who I'm going to have on my podcast very soon. And he wrote the book Tactics. And one of the things in his book was talking about, I think it's called the Columbo tactic, which means to ask the person a question. So, for example, if a person says to you, um, how, how could God possibly exist when there's so much evil in the world? You could say back to them something like, well, how does evil dictate whether or not God exists? And you're asking them a question and then it's put back on themselves so they have to think about it. A lot of times people state opinions or beliefs without really thinking about why they believe what they believe. And we're all guilty of that. I, I mean, I've done it many times before, especially when I'm fighting with my husband. <laughs> but one of the most awesome tactics you can do, which is the name of that book, is to uh, put the question back on the person who stated it and make them think about why they said what they said. So that's exactly what Jesus does here. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And he says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Look at uh, civil wars, no matter where they're at. That means that country is split apart. It's broken. It's a broken country. And it says that also if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So, I mean, even when my husband and I do get into fights, we do not feel connected at all when we are fighting. Now, of course, we uh, stop fighting usually and uh, we're okay again. But if Satan is casting out Satan all the time, how could Satan's kingdom possibly continue to stand? It makes no sense. It couldn't. It could not stand. So he says here in verse 27, it's a unique parable. He says, no one can enter into the house of a strong man to plunder unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Now, this one is kind of perplexing to me, honestly, but 
But I personally believe that this actually means that Jesus is um, the person who binds the strong man and the strong man would be Satan in this case. So it's an analogy. You know, Jesus is the stronger man of the two. Satan is a strong man. And, you know, Satan is occupying this vessel, this person, or what Jesus would consider to be Satan's home, the person that he is possessing. But Jesus is stronger. So he is able to go and bind Satan and throw him out of his home, which would be that person. So basically, Jesus is saying that he is able to cast out demons because he is the stronger of the two. He is much stronger than Satan, and he is able to get rid of Satan or the demons from these people that the demons are occupying, if that makes sense. So after this, it says that uh, Jesus talks about how... All sins are going to be forgiven except for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It says, whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. And so that is the only unforgivable sin. Because if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're blaspheming him in your heart. And that means you never accept Jesus Christ And that's exactly what these Pharisees here were doing. They were not accepting Jesus as the Messiah, as the person who could uh, forgive sins or cast out demons. They were saying he is a demon. So they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit because they were choosing in their hearts not to accept Jesus as the Messiah. So that is what Jesus means when he says that it's an unforgivable sin, because When you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is a life choice that you make. It's a life choice. And these Pharisees already made that choice a long time ago when they first encountered Jesus and were uh, frustrated with him from the beginning. So to conclude this episode, it says here that um, after his mom comes to try to pull him out of this situation (laughs) uh, and yell at him, Uh, He says to uh, the crowd, because the crowd's like, well, your mom's outside. You should go and uh, see her. But he kind of ignores them. And they're like, and he's like, well, who's my mom and my brother and my sisters? And he looks around at everybody who is sitting there. And he says, you guys are my sisters and mother and brothers. And he says, whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. One thing, I'm actually working on uh, doing a seminar soon for women. And uh, one of the things I'm researching right now is the way Jesus and God, the Father, describe themselves as family members, our family members. So God is the Father. Jesus calls himself a son and a brother several times. I think in Hebrews, he's, he calls himself a brother uh, to everybody. And then here he does as well. He calls himself a son of God. And um, he's also called a husband. So Jesus places a big importance on a family relationship in that sense where he says, like, God is your father. God is your husband. God is, um, you know, all these different things to you, like a family relationship. So he's restating this right here that everyone who does his will is basically related to Jesus because we are adopted by God. God chooses to adopt us through Jesus Christ's blood, of course. Now we have to accept Jesus, but we are then adopted by God and we become a family member of Jesus. And I think that that is really, really exciting. How cool is that? You and I, as long as we have accepted Jesus, you and I are related to Jesus. God has adopted us as his uh, children. 
So friends, this was uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. I hope you loved this episode. And uh, if you did, please rate it five stars and share it on your social media platforms. You can also write a review, and that would be very helpful so that people can find the podcast much easier. But friends of Faithful Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Happy listening, and God bless. God bless.